0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Conversations with the Co-op. This is where we source questions from the Index Co-op community to gain insights from today's leaders in crypto and DeFi. I'm your host, Crypto Texan, and today we have with us Roman from Paladin on the show with us today. Roman, thank you for being here with us today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you. And uh, thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure being here.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're happy to have you. So we usually just get started with just a little bit of your background. Um, How did you get into crypto and DeFi?
1: For starters, I got into crypto by missing the Ethereum presale because of my bank. Uh, But, uh, you know, at the beginning, uh, like most people, you know, you start, you see Ethereum, you see Bitcoin, you see the price going up, you see the price going down. You try to understand what's behind it, what's the tech. For me, it really clicked when I actually met the guys from uh, ETHLAND, which is now Aave. So it was like end of 2019, and they explained to me what they wanted to do. So it was the genesis of DeFi. For a bit more disclosure, I actually have a financial and banking law background. I used to be a banking lawyer. So it clicked a lot to me. And I, for me, when I discovered what the tech was about, I thought, yeah, we can actually solve a lot of the problems we actually have right now in finance, specifically via DeFi. So which is why I find it very interesting, because... It solves a lot of potential organizational trust problems and the concentration of wealth that we currently have, which is why I'm actually extremely hyped to be here. And um, I've spent, yeah, the best two years, this trying to say, to try and find how we can make this place better, basically. So yeah, that's why I got in.
0: I think a banking lawyer background is something pretty unique and something that we haven't really heard a lot about uh, on the show or, or I think in the space in general, actually. So... How do the rest of your colleagues in the banking law world view DeFi? Are they even aware of it?
1: Uh, They're obsessed by it. You know, banking law is basically banking regulation and and compliance. So you have to know that basically today, every single person that's learning about banking law or that's working in banking is like, either they think DeFi is a travesty and shouldn't exist because it goes against every single thing they work for, or they're desperate trying to find the right frameworks, but you have to understand that crypto is basically the most important and discussed topic in the sector. Because the problem with DeFi, actually, I would say the problem with banking regulation is that it cannot and does not fit DeFi. So we have to reinvent frameworks. I didn't want to reinvent the frameworks. I'm not invested in the, I'm doing that. I want to create what uh, what basically goes in the framework. We we want to build something new. Like that's that's the whole promise of what we're building, right? actually there's something that's not that well known but there's quite a lot of lawyers in crypto if you look at uh, at ave for example Stanley kulichov is a lawyer andra crunier from curve is also and yearn is also a lawyer you actually have quite a lot of uh, founders who have a law background the reason for that being that there's a lot of um, basically banking law is the architecture of finance the more you delve into finance the more you realize that basically it's built onto legal frameworks and what's very interesting is that to build DeFi, you also need to build some kind of architectures. And the banking law is a good school to actually teach you how to build these frameworks.
0: Well, I didn't realize that Andre was a lawyer as well. And so how did, you said you met the ETHLEND uh, people who started that, which is now Aave. How did you get in touch with them? Like, how did that uh, meeting happen?
1: Oh, actually, it was the ETHLEND and the maker guys. Uh, so I'm French, as you can, I guess can probably hear with my accents. It was during EFCC two years ago. So that it doesn't really go further than that. I already was blue-peeled by crypto, and I saw EFCC was happening. I didn't have an invite, but there were public events, and there was an Ethereum magicians uh, event that was actually done where uh, the EFLAN guys were doing a presentation, and uh, they basically blew my mind, which usually happens once you discover DeFi, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, that's why I'm here because my mind got blown by uh, just the the innovation in the space and how, you know, just the capital efficiency that comes with decentralized finance. Yeah, I I totally understand. Uh, So what drove you to Paladin and what caused you to found Paladin and what need in the space do you feel like this protocol is serving?
1: Yeah, so... Actually, Paladin is broader than a protocol. It's what we're trying to build is more even an ecosystem, I would say. The thing that happened basically is that uh, going down the rabbit hole, I started joining DAOs, looking at what was happening. I was looking, for example, at MetaCartel from afar. I joined uh, LexDAO quite early because, uh, well, I was trying to find something where I could contribute. I'm not a dev. My co-founder, Koga Roshi, is the, the, guy, the, the brains behind the code. And uh, the more we were delving and discussing about crypto, the more I got the hunch that governance was going to be one of the biggest things, not because uh, we need to coordinate, but because the whole point today about DeFi is that we need to scale without intermediaries and without creating new centralized points. What do I mean by this? Blockchain is basically just a trust machine, right? The idea is that we replace trust with algorithmic control. So you have two schools in terms of governance. Either you try to have as little governance as possible, which is governance minimization, or you try to have the most decentralized governance possible, for example, which the Coop is trying to do. I don't think governance uh, governance minimization is the right approach in most cases, because the thing is that the context evolves so quickly that your governance becomes obsolete. And if you want to update the governance, you need a centralized team behind it to do it. Or a decentralized governance to vote on it. So decentralized governance is kind of becoming one of the central elements of building anything in crypto. And the further I went into this, the more I realized that today we had a huge problem in decentralized governance, which is voter turnout. It's useless to build the decentralized tech and the decentralized social consensus if we don't have enough people participating, right? And the problem is that usually you give, let's say 10 to 20% to a core team Then, for example, you do private sales or you give to investors or you have some large wells that will also have 10 to 20%. So you have basically 30 to 40% of all your cap that belongs vested, of course, to let's say two or three centralized entities that can collude. And today, if you look in DeFi, you have under 10% of voter participation, which means that on the long run, once vesting will be done, if we have under like, let's say, 50 uh, 25% or 30% participation, well, basically, the funds and the core teams will remain kingmakers. So there's a lot of arrangements that can be made for for us to avoid this. But the core problem with that, and I'm going to go back to my banking background, is that if we don't find a solution, the regulator can very easily re-qualify everything we've built, traditional tech. And they wouldn't be that wrong because it's not really decentralized. So there's a really big uh, challenge in actually building decentralized tech right in terms of distribution, but also in terms of the right participation. And participation is actually much more important than just because of regulatory frameworks. What we're building is not uh, some kind of company. The idea is that we're trying to build protocols that should last centuries, right? And that will basically be able to, to live off from themselves. So maybe one of us as founders will die one day, probably most certainly. And the community should be able to keep running without us, which means they should be autonomous. And if we don't have the right participation and the right incentives for community to feed themselves of the protocol, well, these protocols will die pretty quickly once, we start, uh, once, once the hype dies down and the core team leaves, right? The whole point about crypto is creating system that will outlast us. And at Paladin, what we're trying to do is uh, how do we create uh, some kind of uh, overarching system, some some kind of uh, flywheels on top of all these DAOs to help them basically keep living. That's kind of the, the, the jam we're going for right now.
0: Yeah, I understand that. And I don't know, the way I think about it, I think a lot of people think about it this way is that decentralization is really a spectrum. I mean, if you take a look using Uniswap as an example, if you just had Uniswap and you ran the code on Ethereum, and you know, you've know you got your LPers LPing and people making trades, and you've got the nodes just validating those transactions, and that's all it was, just autonomous code operating on Ethereum, then that's decentralized. That's very decentralized. But I, I almost feel like once you bring token voting into the picture, that's where you start falling on a different side of the decentralization spectrum. Would you agree with that?
1: So, uh, I think there's something we don't talk enough about, I'm sorry, I'm going to take a detour, is that we think decentralization is a goal, which is not. Decentralization is a means to an end. We shouldn't strive to be decentralized just to be decentralized. Why do we want to be decentralized? That's the question. We want to be decentralized because we avoid concentration of power, because we avoid nepotism. Because we avoid having someone taking over a protocol and deviating it from its original mission, right? That's kind of, I think that's my opinion on why we want to be decentralized. So why is token voting bad? Why is it good? Um, That's a very long discussion. I wouldn't say I'm entirely for token voting. I do think there is no solution as efficient as token voting right now. I don't see one. I can't wait for one to one to appear and the reason why we do paladin lending which is our phase one of development is because we think it's the most sensible approach to the current market sentiment and the market state right now if you look at why token voting is important it and uh, it functions there's three reasons why it works first of all it's the best way to harness let's say human grid uh, to create efficiency right people give energy they give capital in hope of earning more capital that's the basic idea. The second reason why it works is that it's very liquid. It allows people to enter and exit the system. And the third reason why, they, why it's why it's very useful is that it's good for financing. So, as the coop did a private um, did an OTC sale, right, to finance its activity, we did a seed round, for example. The reason the, is that it's complicated is that if you have a reputation-based system. Why and how would you raise money for your, uh, how would you finance your protocol if it's not viable? Because the truth is, if you look at most protocols right now, and we're early, quote unquote, and that's the reason why, most of them are not actually lucrative. They do not have revenue enough to sustain their development and to pay all the other all expenses, right? So that's why I think token voting is necessary in the current framework. Are there other solutions? Probably. There's been a lot of talk about separating a reputation-based system and a dividends token. It's a smart approach, but it doesn't work for everyone because not all protocols have uh, uh, constant revenue, one. And two, most protocols take time to actually develop their revenue, which means that there's very little incentive in investing early. So if we want to take another approach, we have to know that it will totally change the way we work with these current protocols. Yeah. And I'm kind of
0: thinking back to a piece that Vitalik wrote a few months back that basically just said token voting sucks. And it might, you know, it might quote unquote suck, but it's, it's probably the best that we have right now. I think that's kind of what you're trying to get at a little bit, but he also touched on a lot of shortfalls with token voting, some of which you touched on. But another thing is if I'm LPing my index token, I can't use that LP to vote. Um, and also if I'm if I'm lending it out, uh, I can't use that to vote either. But the people who are borrowing uh, index, they can vote. And th- there seems to be some sort of incentive misalignment there. I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, should LPs be allowed to vote in similar aspects like that? What are your thoughts on that?
1: For those who follow me on Twitter, you know I'm a very big proponent of these things.
0: One actually, of the biggest
1: problem, right we have right now. Sorry, go ahead. I
0: was saying, yeah, actually, I saw your tweet about LPs should be allowed to vote. So that's why I brought this up.
1: No, no, no. But basically, uh, today we're forcing token holders. And that's a problem not with token voting, but with governance architecture. We're forcing them to choose between governance and utility, which is ludicrous. Because usually if you give utility uh, for the DAO, you're usually a proponent, you believe in the DAO, so you should have a right to participate. And the worst part in that is that it's actually insanely easy to integrate a, a utility and governance both, especially when, once you have, for example, uh, integrated such platform as Snapshot, which has, has its downfall but has an enormous amount of strength. Of strength. With Snapshot, you can very easily integrate different uh, tokens into your voting system. So. You already have and you don't even need to code like literally during the AMA we could integrate LP votes uh, for index because I checked and uh, I thought that uh, you could vote with your LPs and index but it seems you can't. Similarly as we talked about lending protocols you could totally be able to vote with your A index for example if it existed, right? So The problem you'd have uh, is that you'd have a double voting problem. Like You have a lot in corporate uh, governance structures because someone could be able to borrow your index and vote with it. So what could you do? Instead, you could say to uh, the lending protocol, either only use our token as collateral because we want to keep it as governance. Or instead, when people uh, borrow index, they mint a synthetic version which has no governance power. That's totally doable, too. Basically, these problems when we talk about separating both, they're not problems problem about token voting. They're problems about us learning and using correctly uh, these governance tools. And that's something that's extremely important because right now we're preventing a lot of people who would vote to, uh, in actually participating.
0: Yeah, and just to, just to clarify, with the index token, you can vote if you're an LP on Uniswap v2 or Balancer. Uh, but Uniswap v3, uh, that's, that's where we run into an issue there. Um, so let's let's kind of transition a little bit and let's let's talk about Paladin.
1: Just something I'm sorry. Oh yeah, sure. I'm sorry. Yeah, please. I go just ahead. Want to add, uh, Ribbon Finance did a framework to use uh, uni V3 LP tokens uh, as uh, to and vote with them. So there's already a template if you guys want to use it.
0: That's something we're definitely going to have to look into. Then thank you for that. Yeah. So let's let's talk more about Paladin. What is Paladin doing now, and what what is it serving? Like how? How can the Index Co-op and other token voting governance protocols utilize Paladin to better serve their community and their ecosystem?
1: Yep. Okay, Exactly. So what we've been basically building at Paladin is how do we make voter turnout more important and how do we create liquid governance. So what's liquid governance? Liquid governance is being able to give the right decision-making power to the people who need it at a certain time. Of course, you need guardrails because it means it means some malicious people could, uh, could try and take over the protocol, right? But what's important to understand is that one of the biggest problems, and I think the coop has been keenly aware of this. To be honest, I think the coop is one of the most uh, advanced uh, protocols in terms of governance, which is you guys have the most up-to-date pr- problems but also have a lot of solutions. Uh, what's important, basically, is that at Palin we're trying to think how do we make more people participate in governance, and how do we reduce the reduce the friction in accessing all of this? So the way we see this is we see this as a in a three stage uh, development uh, phases. The first one being we released something called Paladin Landing two months ago, which is uh, on which we wrote the proposal. This is basically a vote landing platform. Why should we recreate a vote landing platform today? It's because it's the most uh, 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 in context to the current market, it's the most relevant thing to build. It's really interesting and important to want to build coordination mechanism for for minority holders, which is our long-term goal, but it will not work today because the APYs are so big with everything that if you try to create something sensible, quote-unquote, and just think about the governance premium, it's just not going to be relevant. I'll give you a very easy easy example. Uh, I put this on Twitter yesterday uh, by doing the maps. If you look... At an index, to, a classic index token, uh, it has an underlying uh, of $34 in all of the co- tokens it uh, just it controls in terms of governance premium, just with DPI, right? And it's only value that have this. Why? Because the market doesn't really care right now about governance premium. What the market cares about is about perception. It's about brand. It's about future value of the protocol. But it doesn't really care about the pure power of governance that it has. And that's kind of the problem. The question is, how do we recenter the debate from pure speculation into governing? Because the real value of governance co- tokens comes uniquely from governance. There is, no, For most protocols, there is no other value than just governing the protocol, right? So at Palinir, what we do is, how do we create something that is going to bring value to these uh, protocols? And at the same time, it's going to uh, fit the current market mood, which is only caring about speculation. 95 people, 95% of the people do not care about uh, governance. They care about price action. So let's give more APY to these people and let's enable people to borrow these, uh, these tokens on another side. Like the people who care about governance, they'll be able to, to borrow the tokens. The problem you have is that if you create this, you basically create a voting market, which is what we did. And a voting market, at least at the beginning, is going to quote-unquote, favor plutocracy, because it's going to enable people who have money to basically borrow and buy votes. So the question we did is we need to curve this correctly for it to be easy of access if you need a a little bit of votes to do the heavy lifting, and we need to prevent it for external uh, powers to just enter and buy a vote. So basically, you have to curve it. The more votes you buy, the more expensive it gets. And you have to link it to governance activities. So that's basically what we did with Paladin. Why is this important? Because now that we have this base layer, we can now start building coordination mechanisms and we can start opening the access quickly, uh, slowly, slowly, first to DAOs, then to delegates, and then to individuals to coordinate for themselves. And I think that's why I disagree a lot with Vitalik. And that's why we took this, I would say, what I very original approach to coordination or uh, to a coordination protocol, is that we keep saying that this, we have a lot of founders saying that decentralized doesn't work. It's too complicated to build like this. We keep saying that we need to create uh, you know, subcommittees to structure everything. There's something we forget, and I think that's very interesting and important, is that crypto is supposed to scale coordination. Literally, why we invented crypto, right? Replaces some part of the social link with algorithmic control. And if we do it right, we should be able to have totally decentralized organizations without sacrificing decentralization. And each time we sacrifice a bit of decentralization, we choose the easy path. I'm not saying we should go 100% in one go to to the hard path, but we have to be aware that, and that's what we're trying to build with Paladin, is how do we build flywheels on top of these DAOs to basically help them go towards the pure decentralization path. It's not an illusion, it's really possible.
0: Yeah, I, I want to touch on something that you that you mentioned back there. And that was, I think you called it the governance premium of the index token. Because with the index token, index token holders can vote in governance proposals of the underlying assets of the index products that the index co-op creates, right? And you, you mentioned DPI, so we'll stick with that. So within the DeFi Pulse Index, within that smart contract... The tokens that allow for delegated snapshot voting are: is Uniswap, Aave, Compound, Fi, Balancer, and Badger, right? So, what you're saying is the price that it would cost an individual to purchase the amount, an equal amount of votes that the index token provides in all of those protocols. It, w- it would cost around thirty-four dollars. Is that what you said?
1: Yep. So uh, I did a small uh, Excel and I put it on Twitter if you guys want to have a look at it. But yeah, basically, the amount of tokens in terms of governance power that's held by each index token would amount to $34. And you have to take into account that the market totally crashed the past two weeks. It was something like 50 or $60 a month ago. So this is something that we have to be aware of. The market does not value governance premium correctly. Why is that? That's for a very specific and simple reason. is that governance premium, unlike any financial premium, depends on the... I'm trying to find the word in English. On the conflictual uh, degree of the governance. The more conflictual it is, the more value it has. The more an actor dominates the governance, the less value it has. Because what's the point of actually participating in the governance if you know someone is just going to keep voting and basically dec- deciding what happens? What's very interesting is that we like to think that there's some kind of 51% attack of governance. It's true, but it's so much lower than that. It's 50.1% of the voter turnout, which means that if most protocols have 5% of voter turnout, you need 2.51% to actually basically be a kingmaker and totally destroy the governance premium. So we're kind of, uh, I would say, fucked because of this reason. Because we thought that by giving like 5-10% to some actors, it would go right, even to core teams. But the truth is that the voter turnouts are way too low. And by doing this, we disincentivize anyone to actually participate in the governance.
0: So with Paladin, I'm trying to wrap my head around this a little bit more. How is the voting power borrowed? And how do, I guess, smaller activists, how can smaller activists within a community leverage Paladin?
1: Okay. So uh, Paladin right now was conceived to try and top up campaigns uh, for people who actually want to pass something, but who are missing, for example, the turnout. We've seen a lot of actors who have been uh, moving heaven and earth to actually get uh, their proposal threshold and weren't able to just because they don't have the right platform. What's a bit complicated right now in crypto, and we're working on it in a different manner, is that we, it's hard if you don't have the right brand and the right network to actually find the right power. So how does Paladin work? It's what we call a riskless governance lending uh, uh, platform. Why? Because what you do basically is that instead of just lending the token, what you do, what you do is that on start deposited into our smart contracts, and there's a borrow that's actually created, uh, that's requested. We transfer into a sub smart contract the required number of votes, and then it delegates to the address. So what we do is that we don't basically loan the governance token. We loan the delegation mandate. The difference being that the person who has the governance power has absolutely no control over the token. So outside of smart contract risk, there is no other risk. There is no liquidity risk, there is no counterparty risk. That's on the depositor side. What's also interesting is that unlike a bribe, for example, and I think we should get into that a bit further to understand the importance and the situation in which index is, the difference being that it's very easy to close the delegation. And in the mechanism we've built as guardrails into Paladin, this is very much something where uh, we were uh, putting a lot of importance in.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about bribes in the ecosystem and how that affects token governance.
1: So bribes is a complicated thing, right? Because uh, crypto and DeFi in general has always been hovering between idealism, between decentralized finance and hypercapitalism. And to be honest, we're all in the same situation. Uh, we're basically deciding right now which direction we're taking. And uh, we all make our decision. We we're very much for the de- purely decentralized finance. Bribes is a very smart approach. We, we tested it a bit. Uh, so to give a bit more context, you know, we've been working for a year uh, on Paladin. We, we first did a proof of concept in the last January during a ETH global hackathon. And we've tested the, the bribes uh, system mechanism uh, during spring last year. And we thought it was complicated to actually scale this and control this correctly. Bribes basically have a pool architecture. So what they do is they say, vote for this proposal and we will reward you for doing this. So basically they put a pot of gold and everyone who does a specific action can take a piece of the action. We with lending do the opposite. We have a push architecture. So what we do is that we give the vote to someone and he does, quote-unquote, whatever he wants with it. The difference with it is that we can regulate what he does with the vote because we can see real-time what he's doing. So that's kind of the different architecture. What's really important to understand is that if you have 15 people bribing, it's going to highly dilute the importance of what they do. So on a market, on a pure market vision, if you have uh, the... Um, if you are a client and you want to borrow, bribes are less efficient on the long term. On the other side, vote lending is more efficient because it's you know exactly how many votes you're getting. But it's also totally different because it cannot happen during the vote. So the biggest problem with any voting market is that it, cannot, it absolutely cannot happen and disrupt the, during a vote. Why? Because if you do introduce the notion of buying votes during a vote... It's basically just going to be a ping pong battle between who gives them more money to win the vote, right? What we're trying to do is different. We're trying to take the act to inspire ourselves from the activist act- corporate activism, and we're basically thinking before a vote you should prepare yourself. So with Paladin you cannot borrow a vote during a vote. The idea is that you know there's going to be an important vote beforehand, and because you've read the forums, and you prepared yourself, and everyone knows it on chain. everyone knows you actually borrowed some voting power. So I'll give you a bit, uh, some examples of use cases that can be done for smallholders right now, which are interesting. For Uniswap right now, you can put, a, put up a forum post you can discuss, but just to put a temperature check, a snapshot poll, you need 1,000 Unis. 1,000 Unis is $20,000. So I don't know how many of you have a $20,000 in, in crypto right now. We're in crypto, so it, it can be a surprising amount, but it's not of access to anyone, Re- right? So you can put an independent amount. If no one, re- if people are agree with what you did, but they don't want to risk it with you, they're just you're just not going to be able to put up a vote. With Paladin borrowing for a week, a thousand uni costs around two hundred and fifty dollars, which is much more access- accessible, and puts skin in the game for the person to actually just put their snapshot poll. And sh- we shouldn't engage people to twenty thousand dollars or more just for uh, to create a snapshot poll. So that's kind of the idea.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Is there a way that protocols could somehow circumvent what Paladin is doing?
1: So uh, what do you mean by circumvent? You mean like blacklist? I'm saying,
0: yeah, I guess possibly blacklist or uh, some other way where they could say, hey, we're seeing on chain that this is, you know, these votes are being borrowed for a temperature check. So maybe that doesn't, I don't know. Is there a way to do that?
1: probably is. Uh, to be honest, I haven't thought of a way to take down our proposal. Because what's interesting is that uh, we have variable interest rates. So it means that the deeper the, the, the borrowing pool is, uh, and uh, the quote-unquote the cheaper the interest rate right, are. But the thing is that if people disagree with a vote that's actually taking place with, with a borrowed token, what they can do is they can't rage quit, which is just means exiting the pool. If they exit the pool. Uh, the utilization rate is going to skyrocket. The interest is going to skyrocket, and it means that uh, the loan is going to close very early on, which can enable people to basically cancel the proposal. For example, so that's a rate quit mechanism. Protocols could probably blacklist the palin address, but the the thing is that natively we each time we create a sub sub smart contract, so it would uh, it would um, it would you'd have to blacklist each smart contract one by one. The thing is. And that's something that's very important in crypto. It's not about the tool, it's about how people use it. And that's why we were very curious of doing this. uh, It's not an experiment, this protocol, because I'm very much convinced that not only is there a need to do that, but it actually reduces the friction and allows us to understand what are the needs in governance right now. And what we're seeing is that there's a lot of frustrated people, not in terms of not being able to pass their proposal, but the biggest thing is about being heard. That's kind of the complicated thing. Because if you have a 10 people governance where they've been elected, they can just speak and everyone's going to hear them. If you have 100,000 people, you have some good and some bad ideas, how do you make yourself heard? That's a very important question we haven't solved right now in crypto.
0: I feel like this just adds a, a completely new dimension to governance and token voting. Like this, is, this is 4D chess, right? If you can just pull all of your assets out of the pool in an effort to make the interest rate skyrocket, to make... People pay their loans back sooner so they can't vote. That's just, that adds another, I don't know, for me, a very exciting element. You know, this is one of the things why I love crypto and DeFi is that innovation like this is just happening continually. And you're making me very, very excited about Paladin right now. But I want to get in a a little bit more on, I guess, some of the governance for Paladin as well. Uh, Do you have a token token? Um, if you don't, when do you feel like you'll have one? And you, you said earlier that you felt like Paladin was more of just an ecosystem than it was a protocol. And I was just wondering if you can elaborate on that a little bit more as well.
1: So I see my co-founder is listening. It's because I tend to leak things and he doesn't like it. So he's probably surveilling me. <laughs> no, but in all in seriousness, we have a token. Uh, it is non-transferable. It's something we saw a few protocols do And we really liked the elegance of the idea. Uh, We basically dropped uh, a a hefty part of the supply to everyone who participated in the large governance. So we had to make choices. We choose the one we had integrated, which are Aave, Compound, uh, Curve, and uh, Uniswap. And basically, if you voted on-chain on any of these, you are eligible to some PAL token. The idea is that right now, the PAL token is only useful to govern the protocol. And that's basically the value of most protocols, right? of most governance token, right? We didn't want to have anything to do with the speculation before we felt comfortable with the fact that Palin was basically an autonomous and a viable machine. I don't think we should introduce any financial aspect before that. And that's the governance will basically vote on it whenever they want. So right now, it's, it was basically gated to everyone who had participated in governance. Now we want to add some kind of proof of contribution dimension. Where we're going to start, it's in our forums. We're going to start a liquidity mining campaign to enable people to loan and borrow just for three months, just to give access to more people to the, to the to the DAO. So it's a pure governance thing. Now, why why am I talking about an ecosystem? Basically, Palen is not not just a vote lending app. The vote lending app is the foundational stone of what we want to build as a coordination ecosystem. Our idea, in general, is. How do we make people, more, more people participate in governance? And the idea is reducing the barriers, for example, by inducing, introducing liquid governance, by incentivizing people in participating. And I think that's something very important that you guys talk a lot with the coop is that you can't expect people to regularly and uh, by taking a lot of time participating in a DAO if they're not paid for it. How do you expect people to work for a DAO if they don't live off of it? And what becomes even more contribu- uh, compli- uh, complicated is that most DAOs pay with their governance token. How do you expect people to live with governance token? You can't buy bread with index or PAL token, at least not now. So the problem is that you're forcing all of your contributors to sell their token to live if you pay them. These are all different problems, and we believe that with Landing as a reactor, we can basically build an ecosystem for DAOs that's basically going to help them do that. I'll give you an example. I'm ready to put a bounty, personally and also with Paladin, but we'd have to vote on it, to create, either with Alchemix or with an Alchemix fork, a way for people to lock their governance token, borrow stable coins on top of it, basically leave off their stable coins as if it was their wage, and if you have yield opportunities with the token, it basically just takes and slowly pays back the interest rate and you can vote with the tokens that are locked in the Alchemix fork. This is the way for people to retain their governance power, while being able to live off with their uh, with their token wage, and these are the kind of ideas that we want to either push and this Paladin, or build. This is not something we're building. <laughs> That's why I'm giving the idea. But there's a lot of needs that need to be done, and it won't happen with one protocol. It's an ecosystem, and our idea we use the vote lending as a reactor because it's the most logical thing to do in the right in the in today's context. We use the revenues to finance the rest of what we're building and we link everything with tokenomics. So that's what we've basically be building and that's why we prefer talking about a, an ecosystem.
0: Yeah. I love that Alchemix idea you just gave too, because when I think about it, like these token vote, like the index token, like it has two main value propositions, right? And that's governance governance and meta governance. And then it also has a monetary value as well in the sense that I can sell it and then use that for living expenses as well. And I, it sounds like what you're doing with that Alchemex example is you've you found a way to separate those two value propositions, the governance and the monetary value to where the token holder can lend out the governance and make money on the governance and also be able to monetize that monetary value that comes along with it. Is that basically what you were saying there?
1: That, yeah, the, the idea, I don't like the idea of saying separating governance power and then a monetary value. I think it's dangerous to think of it this way because it creates liquidity problem, which is, can be a big problem, especially in crypto. If you, if you look at the Olympus and talking wave wave uh, of uh, discussions. But basically, the idea is uh, how do I keep my governance power well, being able to, uh, basically, how do I not sell my tokens while living off of them? And uh, like a lot of uh, traditional finance society, which I think is kind of a problem, but that's a different topic, we're based a lot on lending. And that's why Compound, Aave, Rari are working so well. It's because lending is a very important brick of our current tradi- uh, fi- financial system. And it is also solutions for us to basically retain our governance token. The idea is that, for example, you'd have your... I don't know how it's called, but it should be your AL index that would have governance power, and instead, like all of the index inside of the fork would basically not uh, be able to wo- to vote, and you'd fork, uh, you'd uh, you'd basically be able to uh, to mint some AL USD and live off of them, and can either pay back to get more of the index token, or you can uh, just uh, slowly get them back with time, and it basically creates a native vesting system for your governance tokens behind. Which is which is interesting, but the idea I was trying to get at is that building a coordination mechanism to help people participate in governance will not happen in one click. Because it is not in the interest of most people today to work together. And the idea, which is very interesting, we're seeing with Olympus, we're seeing them with, uh, with Convex, is that with algorithm, with smart contracts, we're able to push people into co- co- uh, coordinating themselves. Because if you look at Olympus, which is uh, like the trend, what is Olympus? Olympus is a traditional bank. Basically, they tell you, give us your reserve assets and we're going to give you a governance token that's going to help manage them. So you're trusting that us as a protocol will manage and coordinate better your assets that you loan. And that's why Olympus has value, To be the very basic idea of it. What's dangerous with this system, and we've been seeing this with lobbyists, with redacted, I'm saying dangerous, is that these are creating very powerful stop-downs reserve asset vortex that can basically eat all of them and they will not get it get it back so it means that you're basically giving up sovereignty and something very important about crypto is that you should always keep your sovereignty you keep your keys you trust you don't verify you verify you don't trust right and when you give your assets and you can't get them back you, you hope to god that you're going to keep control of the protocol right because you're not seeing your assets again
0: wow yeah so you mentioned a few protocols in there, and uh, I've got a couple of questions about other protocols. My first one is, what protocols out there do you see that are doing just a really good job of governance? Like to the extent to where if there was a new DAO coming up and they were looking for an example of how to do governance very, very well – which ones would you direct them to and say this? This is a good way to do dover- governance. You should copy this.
1: Well, I don't want f- uh, to. It it puts me in a bad position because basically I was going to say you guys. So we we look up a lot to the way the index group has been building uh, its structure and its organization. I think it's uh, it's one of the prime uh, the prime example of how to do things right. I don't know if I could basically talk about another governance. I'm just thinking quickly out loud. It's quite hard because, you know, the biggest problem with most governance is that usually they're quite small. And it's been very hard to scale participation in discussions between a lot of people. So I'm a big fan of the way index has been doing things. I think Compound has something right, too, but it's kind of complicated. Yeah, it's, uh, we we don't have, you know, it's crazy. We don't have any uh, rule book on how to do governance correctly. And there is uh, some kind of incentive for us to write these. We have to learn how to do this. And something else that's very important is that we think there's some kind of DAO equal everyone has the same kind of governance model, but each different protocol has the specified culture. There's specified people using them, and also the budget they have. There's so many different things that we have to take into account, and the, it there can't be one special type of, gov- of DAO or framework that's going to work for everyone, right?
0: Yeah, right. Absolutely. And I'm kind of thinking more about the structure of Paladin. And maybe I'm curious about the Treasury makeup of what those treasury assets look like. And I'm also wondering, you know, what are some of the revenue drivers to the protocol today, or what will be some of the revenue drivers in the future?
1: Okay. So that's something that's very important. We've been thinking a lot about it because we knew that by building at least the Paladin lending model, the pools, not only the treasury, but the pools would have enormous voting power, right? So that's something very important. Paladin is a tool for governance. It's a tool for activists. The protocol itself will not vote with the protocol they have deposited. Neither will they with their treasury. That's not something we intend to do, because we believe that this, the, the protocol in general can only work if it is credibly neutral. So basically, that's the first part. The second part is that medium term, once we have the tokenomics right, we intend to distribute not, uh, most, if not all, of the tr- protocol treasury to, in a certain fashion, not to token holders, but to people participating in governance. Because that's basically how we want to create a feedback for the pr- feedback loop for the protocol. That's something that's very important for us. Do You have two types of DAOs, if you look at it. You have DAOs that have treasuries, and you have DAOs that basically keep constantly re- uh, redistributing everything. If you look at, for example, Curve, Curve has no treasury per se. They basically redistribute everything to V-Curve holders. I think that it allows the DAO to be more neutral. Because as long as you have a quote-unquote treasury, people will keep vying for it to basically get budget to live off of it. So we, we're we thinking of it this way. Something that's very important and I think not enough protocols do it is that usually uh, when you create a protocol, you have the core team that basically says, okay, this is our location. This is what we give to funds. Now we're going to build and uh, let's see how it works. We've been trying something a bit new in our forums. Uh, just the discussion just happened today. We try to have the community vote on our allocation. So why is that? If you look a bit, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the the articles that André Foundier wrote on uh, why building in DeFi sucks. Basically, he gets the feeling that the core team is a slave to its users. I think it's very unhealthy for a lot of reasons. It's because the core team should should not be the benevolent uh, actor in the DAO. Everyone should be responsible for the well-being of the DAO. And the core team should be elected to build one specific thing for a specific time. And that's the reason. So, for example, us as Paladin, we we basically asked a 15% allocation vested on three years to build Paladin lending, to build all the business development, the communication around it. And then on top of it, to build another project, which we call Factions, which is a minority holder coordination, and to build the transition over it. And that's basically what we want to build. So we will keep in this direction. We will do the fix, the business development, the communication. But if there's a lot of other opportunities that can build on on top of Palin, and we believe there are, I don't think it should be our job to do it. Like, we have to be very clear. The team is not the protocol. The protocol, we, we, and if we are, I think it kind of creates a problem. It disaligns the team from the interest of actually, from the interest of building in the right thing for the protocol. The community can choose to accept or not if they think what the core team has been building, but they can't dictate the team to what they should do each time. Like people should just take up the matters of their own hand and do it. Our, our treasury has over seven, uh, almost 70% of PAL's, PAL tokens left. They can, they can be financed if they need to build something, right?
0: Right, absolutely. And so are y'all, are y'all looking at any L, layer two strategies or EVM compatible side chains or just kind of yeah. want to see y'all's thoughts there? And, and what are no, y'all looking that- at?
1: Most of you have seen it, right? Ethereum is very frustrating uh, right now. Uh, I've been in Ethereum for uh, oh, five years and uh, transactions are very unhealthy right now. The thing is that as a Paladin, as a protocol, it's hard for us to go on other chains because there is no, very, no other protocols where there's very interesting governance happening. It's slowly getting there. We're seeing some chains like Polygon, for example, where things are happening, but it's not as, uh, as vibrant as Ethereum. On the other hand, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, ZK vote on Starkware is extremely promising. I do think that the optimistic rollups and even the more ZK rollups have uh show a lot of promise in creating. I would love to see some kind of governance uh, um, rollup that would help us basically reduce the cost of voting this way on chain. And uh, I do know some projects that are working on this and that's our plan is basically Standing on the shoulder of giants and helping them transition into these more healthy and cheaper alternatives.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about what Suzu said a few weeks ago. Do you feel like Ethereum has abandoned its users?
1: Uh, Suzu just bought $500 million of Ethereum. So he abandoned, but uh, he's he's a trader. Uh, uh, to be pers- To be totally honest, I don't follow him. Uh, he probably says a lot of smart things because his job is basically to pump and dump his bags. His job is to make money. His job is not to build Ethereum. And this is something we have to be very keenly aware of. Most of us here in this school, we're builders. Our job is to build things. Our job is to make Ethereum go forward. You have a lot of people, 90% of the people in crypto, their job is to make money. These are not the same thing. You can make money by building, but it's not the first thing you should do. The first thing you should do is build your project.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that I definitely tell a lot of people who are just getting into the space is anything you see on Twitter or in Discord or on a podcast, wherever, just keep in mind that those people have an incentive to say what they're saying, most likely, right? And I think you should always take that into account is that everyone is trying to pump their bags, most likely, right? But I think when you look at people who are – who are working for protocols, and I, I think that's kind of something that's kind of helped me f- focus a little bit more is just getting involved, involved with the Index Co-op and keep my head down and working, and it kind of helps you like sift through the noise a little bit and focus a little bit more on what's important in the space.
1: Yeah. You know, things go so fast, it's hard to lose sight of what's actually important because you see you have the Olympus thing going at 500,000% a year, which is it's very exhilarating, right? And then you lose sight of, uh, basically, what was important at, at the beginning. Uh, something to, I think that's worth uh, mentioning, uh, I don't know how many of you, of, of you guys go, know the guys from Wistali that also work in governance. They do great job. They are releasing, I don't think they already released, some kind of widget that you can have on Chrome. And basically, on Twitter, it basically looks at which Twitter address is linked to, to which uh, Ethereum address. And you can see the bags of someone directly on Twitter, and you know, crypto is all about transparency. It's all about being able to verify if someone is bullshitting you or not. And what's super interesting is, when you when you see someone basically talking about something, you can actually see. And that's my hope. If he was paid, if he holds a large amounts of token, if he if he's a diehard member, and I think giving this optionality of transparency is something that's very powerful. And to be perfectly honest. We are aware that bribes are kind of inevitable in the sense that people will always try to buy votes. I'm not saying we should generalize it. What I'm saying is that we should be able to be aware of what's happening and then say that is it really a bribe if everyone knows you were paid for it? Because either it's done in the right manner because there are ethical reasons to actually need more votes or it's done in a wrong manner and you're basically losing your own credibility. I think transparency redistributes, uh, uh, forces us to rethink a lot of the traditional paradigms we have in terms of ethics, and we haven't had that much work on it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. That's that, and I really appreciate your thoughts on that. And you mentioned that that other protocol. Uh, What other? I'm just curious, just in general, what other projects are you looking at in the space? not necessarily related to governance, it could be DeFi or or metaverse or or data economy related. But what other projects are you looking at in the space that are really catching your eye? uh, From I guess, an innovation standpoint?
1: So I'll be honest, I'm a bit of a a governance nerd. So most of the things I look at are in governance. I'm extremely excited. And have been quite for a very long time about Tokamak. I know I'm not the only one Uh, someone sent me a message, I think it was OX Josh. And he was also talking about Tokamak. I think it What's super interesting, you know, is that we're slowly, slowly pushing, and it's a logical uh, shift, uh, a lot of responsibilities that were in centralized hands into DAOs. So what we're doing is that instead of having large holders, we have large sub DAOs. For example, in Curve, you have Convex, you have Yearn, you have Stake DAO. You have a future. Uh, you're going to have a redacted and lobbyist to doing this. And what's super interesting, you could have Tokimak too, is that it means that. And that's basically what index is. Instead of having to go to one domain DAO, you're going to have to see the different tribes, the different sub-DAOs, and have them sit down together, talk and decide what's good and what's wrong. And what's happening is that we're starting to have the base layer protocols that are losing their individual and centralized uh, large holders. And in place, you have a lot of large sub-DAOs. So what's super interesting is that governance is about to get much more complicated than it already is for for these base layer protocols. And we're kind of trying to make a sense out of this. Because right now, for example, uh, I'll give a, let's say Convex starts accumulating Uni and uh, Redacted and Lobbies too. So instead of uh, just using one Uni token, you could use an Index token to leverage your vote or a Lobbyist token or a Convex token, right? And this is where it, it gets interesting because depending on the supply, the price of the market, it's not always more interesting to have just purely the uh, the Uni token. So the governance approaches are going to get much more modular.
0: Wow, yeah, that's an interesting interesting thought as well. Um, we're kind of running up on time here, but there's uh, just two more questions I wanted to get in. Uh, one of them is, you know, the index co-op, we do have crypto-native index products, like the DeFi Pulse Index, Metaverse Index, Data Economy Index. What if you had to decide, like, what is another index that you think would be interesting for the index co-op to uh, put out?
1: Well, as I mentioned, I'm a governance nerd, so I would kind of say a governance index, but a bit differently that the DPI is done. I think what should be done is that thinking about what each DAO can bring and have specific indexes that bring specific types of governance power. So for example, if you want a financial incentive DAO, you'd have, for example, a VFXS and Vcurve into your uh, your index. On the other hand, if you want, you could have lending index. What I'm trying to get at is that each of these different index, because it has underlying voting power, could allow the users when they buy into the index to know they're going to get leverage power into the index. So it could be uh, indexes centered around governance premium. What gets really interesting, and that's something where index kind of got uh, boomered by, by BlackRock, which is a bit crazy. I was talking with, with Mel about this. Is that Blackrock is slowly giving up the governance power of the shares they own and letting the index holders vote with them. So they basically decentralized kind of kind of their index, which is crazy. This is in traditional finance, right? I don't think there's an incentive to do it in crypto or even with the index because the context of passive uh, of indexes is passive investing. But I'm just saying there's like a lot of different approaches that are appearing. and we, don't, we can't only think about index, about just putting tokens in the basket. We can be much more modular and much more original in the, in the approach.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point as well. So the last question I have for you is where can people go to find out more about you and Paladin?
1: Yep, sure. So uh, personally, uh, you can look at Twitter. It's fig underscore me. I just usually write a ra- uh, ramble about governance. Paladin is on Twitter and on Discord. uh, Paladin underscore vote. And uh, you can find us uh, there from there uh, to the Discord. We try to be as transparent as possible. So if you guys have questions, please feel free. Uh, We've tried uh, our onboarding process. Basically, onboarding index as a pool takes one hour. But instead of just onboarding it, what we wanted is to talk with the community. We want to build the thing. We don't want to build just something new and say, voila, now you deal with it. Because the truth is that crypto is immutable. Our idea is how do we build something together? It's just going to be better. it going to be a net positive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Roman, I uh, really appreciate you coming on the conversations with the co-op with us today. Uh, really excited about the future partnership between the NX co-op and Paladin. And yeah, this is great. Everyone who's listening in the audience live, thank you for doing so. Uh, this is being recorded. So we'll get my audio engineer, Nakamomo on the task and we should get this recording out in about a week. Yeah, Romain, thanks again for being here. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me and uh, thank you guys for attending. Have a nice day.
0: All right. Thank y'all. Have a great weekend. Bye.